Dundee's always considered to be a, a kind of a hard man time. When I go on holiday in London, if anybody knows I'm from Dundee, they sort of give me the look of, oh, hard man. I'm Sean McDonald, you're listening to Pleathered, and my guest is Greg Fenton. Greg is the General Manager of Dundee Football Club and the CEO of the Dundee Football Club Community Trust. He's played his own key role in the resurgence of Dundee Football Club, and that resurgence has manifested itself in both sport and progression, with the side producing a very impressive and, not to be disrespectful, but generally unexpected showing in this season's Scottish Premiership. In this episode, you'll hear Greg talk me through his varied but valuable experience in education and work, moulding him into what I think is the perfect incumbent for the position that he holds within the club. We take a look at the remarkable golden era for Dundee Football Club in the 1960s, followed by the chaotic excitement and eventual downfall of the early 2000s. And we talk about the phenomenal job done by Dundee boss Tony Doherty in his first season, why referees are a vital component, and you might hear a wee something about an exciting development that will take Dundee well into the next decade on a particularly strong footing. And as always, there's plenty more. So thanks for joining us, and we're delighted to have you with us. Remember to subscribe, and be sure to pass this episode on to somebody who you think might enjoy it. Cheers. There was something you said back in June 2022. I'm going to read it to you word for word. I just had to push doors and see which ones opened. Do you think that summarises your life up until now, or your career at least? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as a guy that didn't do too great at school, um, and you had so much pressure from teachers to say, you've got to get A's in this, you've got to get hires in that. Went to college, and then just worked my arse off. And... Uh, kept asking people for support to get me to where I am just now um, and that's what I mean by oh, pushing these pushing these doors open mm. um, so yeah it's uh, it's been a been a challenge to get where I am but it kind of shows you uh, if you work hard it pays off um, so yeah in a roundabout way that's here, here I am now but if you actually look back at my career mm. it, it kind of ticks all the boxes to what I kind of do now um, well you I mean Talking about pushing at doors, looking forward, planning ahead. It's kind of rep- reminiscent of Dundee Football Club as well. Yeah, um, it is. We've got a lot of big plans for the future. Um, I've literally had meetings back to back today regarding one of the, the development plans that we've, that we've got in the pipeline, which we hope we can tell the fans in the coming weeks. Um, that's a game changer, an absolute game changer. I am pure choking <laughs> to go at. Do you know what? I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> I'm not, I won't, I won't. I said, I said we wouldn't, but I, I mean, it is if you're a Dundee fan. Uh, do you know what? I think if you're a fan of Scottish football in general, yeah. and once you can kind of remove your own tribal loyalties and stuff and, and preferences, you can actually look at it objectively and go, that's massive for Abs- the game in general. No, absolutely. It's, it's one where, yeah, it's okay buying players, bringing players in on loan, yeah. making a really strong 11. But you need to structure, you need to scaffold in for that. You need a area where they can perform and, and try and get themselves better and get ready for the Saturday game. So um, it's been long in the planning. Uh, the whole team have worked their arse off to mm. get to where we are just now in, in such a short space of time. Um, 
but I'm as a Dundee fan, I'm hugely excited to show everybody this. Yeah. Um, but as a general manager, and I'm also very proud to show what other clubs could do. Yeah, uh, and it's uh, yes, as I said, it's a, an absolute game changer. Well, I mean, even the training centre we're in just now, good to have a wee look about, see around about the first team environment stuff, and Tony Doherty, manager and stuff, just kind of kicking about, and you're seeing. There are players, even John Nelms, walking through the door. What's John's title as managing director? Managing director, yeah. You're seeing the, I suppose, the framework and the scaffold in the club. You know, as we were talking about earlier, Manchester United are a, a terrific example of how not to do it. You know, Sir Alex leaves, and all of a sudden their infrastructure seems to completely disintegrate. They're spending hundreds of millions in players. I heard Gary Neville talking about their commercial pursuits were the priority. Where in fact training grounds falling apart. Mm-hmm. Carrington, Cristiano Ronaldo goes back after however many years away and says it's all the same gym. I've, you know nothing's changed, nothing's improved, and Old Trafford's falling apart. And that is the the prime example of aye, infrastructure is is key, and that's obviously what you're going to be able to announce to the fans <laughs> in the coming weeks, and they're yeah. they're going to love it. Yeah, no, absolutely, and it's it's one thing we as a club. John and, and Tim have been to various football and soccer clubs around mm. the world to try and see what they can be done um, here at Dundee. Gordon's the same. I've Gordon Strachan, we're referring to the technical director. I've uh, I went to New York, New York City. I still keep in touch with them to this day and seeing what they could do. Or to um, New York City AFC, uh, yeah, part of the City Group? Part of the City Group. Wow. So I went out last March uh, 2023, March 2023, flew out there, met their staff um, and see what they could do. Uh, their land isn't that big for their training ground so yeah. we wanted to see what we could do with that uh, in, a, in, a, in a small space went down to Brentford uh, Tottenham so there's all these different clubs that we went to go and see to try and it's just good practice really yeah. um, why reinvent the wheel? Do you need them to carry your bags around? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fucking brilliant <laughs> You know what see, see from my age I'm only coming up for 34 in yeah. the summer I think what I've achieved in such a short space of time it's a part in the bar for me, but it's also a part in the bar for the team that I work with. Mm, um, absolutely. T- to get us where we are. I mean, it's a team effort. See, just as I was saying there about infrastructure and no buying players as well, and I, I use Manchester United as an example of how not to do it. I could actually use Dundee as an example of not how to do it. We'll come to that slightly further down the line because we're going to talk about the madness of the 2000s and some of the signings that were made. But yeah, well, your career and, and how you've kind of got to that is a key point of interest for me. So born and raised in Broughty Ferry. Yeah. Now that's where we are right now, is it? It is indeed. So I'm about beautiful five part of the world. It right? is. It really is. It really is. I'm about five ten minutes away from here. Right. Uh, so it's nice to be commute in the morning. Stones throw. Yep. Dundee fan for a kid. Season ticket at primary school. Was Dundee? Was that kind of passed on to you, or is it an environmental thing? Is it a big family thing for you? It's hu- huge family. Uh, brother, nephews. Uh, they all support Dundee. Uh, me and my brother went to every single game as a, as a kid. I remember my first season ticket, uh, 2000. Benetti's just got brought in in the summer. I was primary seven at school. Primary six, primary seven at school. And the buzz around the playground was, was immense. All these foreign superstars when they get flown into Dundee. So uh, my family got us a, my first season ticket and I was sitting next to Kami Kerr. Nice. So Kami was, what, four years younger than me, five years younger than me? And uh, we sat next to each other. We've always kept in touch since. Obviously, he's now here at the club, yeah, sure, sure. so so that's really good. Um, and uh, I mean that that buzz around the club at that time, and that's what I, I kind of thought mis- to myself: I'm a Dundee fan. 
Aye. seeing the likes of Jamie Langfield in the goal and then Claudio Canigia up front. Jamie Langfield, I'm a goal, I used to be a goalkeeper myself, so it was him, Jamie Langfield, Marco Riccati, uh, Rob Douglas, um, kind of my legends growing up. I mentioned for a pal of mine, a young Stephen Robb, owner of B, or co-owner of B Inspired, so yep. he was in that squad, Yeah, I yeah. believe, 99-2000. Do you know what my first game was? So you remember you used to get those DVDs like Tim Lovejoy's or Nick Hancock's <laughs> Football and Nightmares? <laughs> yeah. And it was a Jonathan Gould one, it was Celtic 2, Dundee 2. And it was in the latter stages of the John Barnes season, which was 99-2000, and Kenny Dalglish was caretaker manager at this point. Maybe we had, can't remember if Eric Black stayed or left. Anyway, it's um, actually was a pretty strong Celtic side as well, yeah. on paper. And uh, it was two each, and Jonathan Gould, I think he catches the ball and then drops it through his legs, and it made <laughs> up. The, and that was my <laughs> that was my game. But, you know, I would, it was my first time in Celtic Park, so I would have been about eight. And it's the colour and the noise and the smell and the people. And I'd yep. never been in a place with that many people before. I was behind the goal when that happened to Gould, actually, but I just spent my time watching the LA fans. Because it was quite hard for me to get my head around. Why are they so hostile? <laughs> <laughs> and I get caught giving them the fingers as well. <laughs> my uncle Paul gave it the trouble. I saw somebody else doing it, so I was like that. <laughs> he's like, hi. Hey. Like, shouted at me. But I, so that was my first game. Dundee, Dundee 2, Celtic 2. Yeah, I think my, my first ever game would have been just before that, probably the 1999 season. Um, and it, I can't remember who we were playing, but it was the old terrace behind the goal at Dens. Um, so obviously the Bobby Cox stand now is all seated, mm. but this is before that got put in. Um, I remember saying to my dad at the time, at half time, I'm hating this. So he took me home at half time, and I kind of I remember my family now laughing nowadays, saying, "Look, when you're a kid, you were never interested in the football. I look at you now, you're 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 basically running a football club." And yeah, it kind of goes just goes to show that I mean it was the Benetti's that kind of got me into Dundee in a sense of all these players. When I was that age, I think I was more interested in just in pl- I mean I wanted to play at all times, but watching it's a bit it becomes a wee bit I don't know passive. Yeah, or you find a wee bit passive. But I suppose that's just being a kid. Tell me about Ferry Athletic. You got you do like a sort of a Mourinho and go into coaching <laughs> for the young age. <laughs> I'm the special one. <laughs> no, um, yeah. So I w- I was obviously a goalkeeper growing up. Um, Played a handful of times for the school, um, played for my local team, Fairmuir, um, which which was good uh, in the goal. And then I had a really bad back injury, so I couldn't I couldn't play. So I went into coaching, and uh, I was helping out with Douglas Lads as a goalkeeping coach. Yeah. And then the opportunity came up to be manager of Ferry Athletic uh, through my uncle. Um, so I was only like seventeen or something at the time, and to be seventeen year old and managing a team work dealing with parents because right. their son's not being picked for the Sunday game uh, trying to get training sorted facilities uh, league fees etc it was an absolute eye opener for me um, so I went to f- I was ferry manager for three years um, and well, I absolutely loved every minute of it would this be when you started your national qualification in sports at DNA College then? yep so right up the stairs from here aye um, alright in, right, in this same in this exact same building wow uh, the lectures are still the same um, I still speak to them to this day. They still come down. We'll have a blether. Um, so yeah, I'd, I don't think they would have thought when I was up there at eighteen-ish, nineteen, that I would have been general manager of Dundee. See, when you're when you're doing those that course and you, and you're doing the coaching, but you're you're, you're manager. You're like a sort. That's like an Alex Ferguson type. It's like you're <laughs> running the entire club. Yeah. Are you doing that and thinking, oh, there's an opportunity for me to go on and and be a coach at some level, or are you thinking more of a sort of administrative, you know, really pulling the strings type? No, I was more of a coach going into schools, 
that's kind of the career I kind of wanted to go into at that point. Um, going to schools and uh, just teach them sports or mm. football. Um, and the the actual being being manager of Ferry Athletic helped me get the credits to get onto the course and help modules getting completed and things like that. So, yeah, it was it was really good, but it was a great experience. Oh, so you can get onto a course on the basis of your experience. You can. You can. Ah. If you've got enough experience, um, let's say, because when you're manager of Fair Athletic, you'd have to do your SFA licence, your, yeah. your kids' licence, etc. Ah. So that can help you get onto courses. I suppose it proves an aptitude as well if Absolutely. you're able to have certain references. Yeah. I mean, that was all volunteering. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, as a, rather than going out clubbing with my pals or, you know what I mean? Aye. I was spending. Fuck, right. So if you're telling me if I didn't go out a Thursday, I could be like running <laughs> Motherwell right now. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's one of these things you had to put your life, your your kind of growing up on hold yeah. to plan for sessions and get the game ready for a Sunday and speak deal with parents. And yeah, yeah. Was that I loved it. Yeah. Well, it's an accumulation <laughs> of of experience and skills that are that are ultimately transferable, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's not as if it's specific to one thing. Like you, you're able to deal with people and different personalities, and uh-huh. I suppose even does that help you, or do, do you see any point where you think that's helped me in dealing with certain people in your team now? Because some people need the armour in the shoulder, others need a boot up the arse. Mm-hmm. Some people need both at different times. Yeah, I mean, man, man management back then was different to what it is now. Yeah. Um, and obviously we're dealing with kids at that age, um, but parents as well, dealing with conflict, um, dealing with different coaches, mm. refereeing matches. Mm. <laughs> That's a thankless task, isn't oh, it? Oh, massive. Absolutely massive. I did it once and never again. <laughs> I did. I've refereed once, right? And it was out in Barcelona. And I just get a text. If there's any new listeners here that are Dundee fans or Dundee interested, <laughs> I lived in Barcelona for years. There's your sort of pretext. So I get a text basically saying, for a guy I played football with, and he's like, we need um, referees for this kids' football tournament. But it's it's at the new Camp. Do you want to do it? And I was like, oh, fucking right, aye. Like, definitely. Yeah. It was class, man. Get a wee kick about in the new Camp. It was a beautiful, sunny June day. But I was, like, so taken... I'm, I'm in the centre circle at the <laughs> new Camp. And it's been played across the way because it was seven aside. Okay. But whatever, whatever's happening, and just for a split second, I've taken my eye off and I'm like, fucking hell, this is incredible. The backdrop of the blue sky against empty stands. Mesquite and club and all that. And then in this split second where I've looked away, uproar parents or screaming and going mental and I turn round and some fucking kids like on a on a heap and I screaming on his leg and some other kids doing the sort of universal shrug of I never touched him ref yeah, and yeah. I'm like I, I have no idea what's just happened to you so I've went well by the process of elimination that wee guy must have absolutely took the other one out so you're doing this all in a split second a split second calculation so I've blown the whistle for a free kick and then everybody's went insane and it turns out that the boy that was on the deck holding his knee is the one who smashed the other player and he's just come off second best <laughs> like he's bounced off him and I honestly thought all oh, these parents were all going to run on and kill me and yeah. then after it one of them shouting at me and I was like mate I fucking, like, <laughs> look where I am. I was like, I turned away for a second. I was like, I, I didn't see it. Yeah. So I was looking up to the stand and the guys just kind of went, right, fair enough. And that kind of managed to, like... Did that give you, though, like, sympathy it? for, like, refs now? Yes, yeah. it did. It did. Well, okay, yes and no, right? It give, gives me sympathy for referees because it is, it is a thankless task and yep. without them, there is no game. Yep. Um, that I mean, that's a given. However... 
I was just some wee fanny that got asked, do you want to come and do this at the Newcamp? I'm not doing the Scottish Cup final or the Scottish Cup semi-final and that boy was at Meekings or whatever for Inverness Cali Thistle, hand balls it and Celtic go out under Ronnie Dyler. I think he's probably deserving of some criticism <laughs> and I won't go, oh, it's all right, you were probably just looking up at the stand or the tunnel at Hamden. Yeah. So, I mean, I suppose, well, it, but, but in the br- broadly speaking, yeah, because well, you need to be concentrating. I'll tell you a wee secret. When I was, must be like 16 or 17, I did my refereeing course. Did, did I'm never made as public. I did about five no games. <laughs> I know. I did about five games. And uh, there's a, a learning centre in the Overgate Shopping Centre. So, five o'clock till seven o'clock every Thursday. I used to go to the learning centre in the Overgate and get taught to be a referee. I'm fully, I was fully qualified mm. back then. Don't know if there's any laps, obviously, for the, for the licence. But I um, did about a handful of games and I absolutely hated it. That's ah, tough, isn't it? Ah, it's a tough, it's tough pressure. Gig. It is. And this, if you look away for a split second, oh, something could real. happen. Now, when you're doing these type of games, you, you haven't got any linesman um, or any fourth official or anything like that. So the, the sole pressure is on you to make Aye. these decisions. Eh? So, uh, no, I do have sympathy for them. Like, I really do. I, I remember um, in the early incarnations of what is now the overlap with like, Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher. But they did a thing where it was Neville and Carragher and maybe, I think, Roy Keane, where they had to referee. Yeah, I've seen that, yeah. And there's, there's, I mean, we can all put our hands up. There's certain rules I don't know. Yeah. There's rules that loads of, or, or applications of rules that people don't know. Yeah. You're talking like Keane, you know, this could, this could, this could open up debate, right? But three, <laughs> three of the greatest Premier League players ever, yeah. generally speaking, in yeah, terms yeah. of longevity. No, I agree, I agree. Aye. And they they're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know that rule, because and and referees as as much as you need to be concentrating on everything, but also making these micro calculations at all times, and in a split second, all right, now they've got VAR and they can stop, but that's a very much a recent in, invention or, yeah. or sort of addition to the mm-hmm. game. But I think as well, referees say this all the time. Well, they say, well, if I make a mistake, or you know, players make mistakes all the time. Our goalkeepers always say, goalkeepers will say, well, I'm the last line of defence. So, if anybody else makes a mistake, the the penalty or the repercussion or consequence is far more extreme for me. And I suppose yeah. it is kind of for the ref, like so. And it just shows that humans are fallible and mistakes happen. No, absolutely. Happen. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I do have sympathy, especially the way that VAR is going this season, and that I I do feel sorry for the refs. Like, um, I think maybe if it was taken away. Or if you were to look at the games where VAR has for the better or, or rightly overturned something, yeah, then you might. Look I, at I mean, and go, my own like well, this is my own opinion, but um, I like I like football without VAR. Mm. I, I I think it stops the game. Even when you score a goal, it I always gets checked. How annoying is that? And you've already celebrated. Again, <laughs> I, I don't know rubbing it in anybody's like face when the goal gets well, <laughs> chalked I'm off. Not, I'm not. I know. Well, I'm not rubbing it in anybody's face about me being a Celtic supporter, but I am, and I don't hide it. And we drew one each uh, against Kilmarnock, as widely reported and laughed about. Um, which actually I think is a bit disrespectful to Kilmarnock. Decent, decent yeah. side, but yeah, anyway, getting it rubbed in our faces. But they get their equaliser. And the guy beside me is like, that was a push, that was a push. <laughs> and I'm like clutching at straws. And then they did a VAR check and I was like, we might be able to get, we might get a let off you. And then it goes after about five minutes when it felt like, like decision, go, no foul. And you're like, oh, do you know what? I would have rather we never even had that then. You yeah, just give me a bit yeah. of hope. But it's here to stay anyway. So I don't no, think... No, exactly. It's one of these ones I think we need to tweak slightly and then we'll get it right. Yeah, I suppose it will, it will get better. Um, pretty interested in this. You go on to study a HNC and police studies at oh, DNA College. Yeah. What? I mean, what's the story there? Um, yeah, so I did that. 
Um, I kind of thought about joining the police. At that age, I didn't really know what to do. So I, no wonder. If I, you don't know if you need a shite or a haircut. You're like, am I a referee or am I a police? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. It's, I mean, it's being so young and for people to put pressure on you to say what career you're going to go for yeah. the rest of your life. And that's the way it kind of gets put to you. Yeah. And you didn't, I didn't have a clue. It was a height of recession at that point. There wasn't many things going for the the economy at that point in terms of jobs. So uh, I thought, look, why don't you just keep learning? So I went to, went to Dundee College again here and uh, did HNC Police Studies. I gained a lot of skills from psychology, sociology, uh, Scottish law, uh, modules and all of, the, all, all, all of them. So, yeah, it was, it was another one that I've used in the in the in the in the toolkit, so to speak, um, even in this job. Mm. So it wasn't a waste. I gained a lot of modules from it, um, but police definitely wasn't for me. Neither was the law or anything like that. So well, I mean, you did go <coughs> on to study a year of criminology at Abertay, so there must have been some <sighs> form of interest. There. Yeah, no, there was. But after doing six months of the course, I thought this is no for me. Are you just scared everybody hangs in the grass, and that's <laughs> why you? <laughs> That's why you're pushing back on this, because I've got the information in front of me. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, that was... I was actually trying to become a, an informant, like... <laughs> or, or a, no, like a, a infiltrated police. I wasn't trying to be honest, like, I'm not like that. <laughs> no, no, it, it was one of these ones where... It, see, we see when you watch these CSI documentaries Aye. and things like that, you think, this is going to be great. But the actual practicalities of it, it wasn't for me. Um, so I just thought to myself, look, let's just cut... That's six, six months into the into the... This, this, uh, the learning. I thought to myself, look, let's let's just stop there and go to something else. Were you, were you interested in the the sort of criminal law, criminal justice side? Because I'm I'm absolutely obsessed with all things sort of. Criminal yeah, and, and law. I don't get me wrong. I love these type of programs on TVs and movies, and I absolutely love it. And I thought that was going to be this, but Aye. it's nothing like it. Generally, nothing like it. Um, it's it's. I don't know how to describe it. It's just. Pure shit. <laughs> you could probably, yeah. It wasn't for me. It wasn't yeah. for me. She, um, Marie Clark, daughter of the legendary lesbian lion John Clark. Yeah. Me and Marie have both got a fascination with like criminal cases, and we're actually going to. I think we're going to get a wee soup this image and go to Glasgow <laughs> High Court. So in fact, I've got a message for her. She was at a case recently. Like I'm, I'm. When I say I'm absolutely enthralled by it, like yeah. it just. It, Captivates and me. you should if you. I mean, that's one thing. Go to the local courts. Aye. Go and sit in a hearing and see it from start to finish. And anybody can do that. Any public can go in. I've done it many times. Aye, as a yeah. student. Way to do it, and it's fascinating. When I, I I I can't remember if I've told this story. I think I have. I'm sure I have. But I I won't dwell on it for too long. But just in reference to going into court. So I studied practical journalism for like a year when I was 17. I actually wasn't for me. So the pure irony that I now do what I do. <laughs> Um, and part of it was you had to study Scots law and the like, application of that while working in media, plus shorthand, which is now obviously a completely defunct. But I mean, it's it's pretty much redundant now. Shorthand friend at Disney knows a way of literally writing in like hieroglyphics yep. to shorten words so you can take notes because you didn't you used to not be allowed to have any recording equipment in courts. So we get told you have to go to the sheriff court one day. What man? What a buzz Glasgow sheriff court is. <laughs> It was unbelievable, but it was, yeah. it was a lot of comical stuff, there's obviously a lot of serious stuff, yep. a lot of comical misdemeanours and scrapes and all that, but it was fascinating, but I, I, I get flung out because of laughing at the, it was basically a story about how a woman was up in court 
for shooting a crossbow through our pal's window because he <laughs> took her dirt bike without permission <laughs> and crashed it and broke it and he put it back trying to hopefully go undetected but a neighbour saw it <laughs> alerted <laughs> alerted the dirt bike owner right <laughs> and uh, they were reading out the fucking clerk of the court was like reading out what the woman said when she was arrested like verbatim <laughs> and it was I'm asking for forgiveness for you because I know you're not supposed to say these words but she read out, or the clerk reads out, get your fucking poofy horns off me, <laughs> you stupid looking, and all this, right? And I'm like falling off my chair, like I can't believe that this is yeah, all yeah. happening, being read out. And the reason I get chucked out is because the police officer was like, here, chuck it. And I'm going, mate, that's like, what the fudge you want me to do? That's, that's funny. Like, I can't even not laugh at that. And he's like, yeah, yeah well, it's a court. So if you can't keep your laughing and stay it. So I was like, oh, fuck's sake. And then they said... Do you think, though, like, the the, the, pros, the, the process, Scottish process, should be modernised, though? That's yeah. that's the feeling I got when I was sitting there. I, was I like, suppose they have modernised it a bit, because now they've got cameras and all that. And yeah, true. I was meaning more like the actual procedures of it all. I don't know how they go at court. What's yeah. that all about? Like, yeah. somebody come there and you have to stand up. I'm yeah. not standing up for you. I you think for, like, people to be engaged. You're not Santa Claus. Why am I standing up? <laughs> why am I being deaf? Why the fuck am I being deferential to you? <laughs> it's one of these ones where, like... I've Anytime I've sat in it, I've always kind of thought to get young people engaged in it. I think it needs to be modernised. Yeah, but you could go right through the whole British. Well, yeah, you can you can start like with the House, House of Commons, of Commons like from the night, and abolish yeah. the House of Lords. That's another. Look at it if you if you're democratic discussion of the state of the UK political infrastructure stuff. But no, I, I know what you mean. In order to to make it accessible, it's kind of why it's the whole thing about places like Eton and these private schools in Oxford are designed to look like the House of Commons so that you're not intimidated in okay. any way. And I suppose that the same could apply to like high courts, maybe more so down in England. Yeah. And the high courts up here are pretty, well, more on the modern side. But yeah. do you know why I eventually get flung out of that court? Because Madonna and Guy Ritchie had just divorced and the guy stood up and he goes, the next case is Guy Ritchie, or the Crown versus Guy Ritchie. And I said, <laughs> do you think he left the pub and turned up Stephen at Madonna's house, shouting through the letterbox? And I, th I thought the, the piece. I thought the police would laugh, and he's like, "Shut me up!" But I'm, I'm definitely going to go back, man. Love it. No, you should. It's it's a great. And also, remember the high courts are can go from city to city. Mm. Um, so you got high courts in, in Dundee sometimes, and yeah, I'd, I'd I'd recommend it to anybody, especially any student that wants to go down that career path. Get yourself into a court. And if anybody uh, wants to come for soup and a sandwich in court and be me and Marie Clark, just let us know, man. <laughs> Defend yes. She she's gonna be, she might hear this or somebody will tell her I mentioned that. She'll be like, What? <laughs> I've got the I've got the text in black and white, we agreed we were doing it. <laughs> um the I suppose did you you sort of had a realisation, I believe, that after studying the year of criminology or however long at criminology at Aberté that you wanted to be more involved in community is that when you decide to do the honours degree in community education yeah and you're it, doing a tour of all the unis here I am and I'll tell you which one was good and which one was bad <laughs> <laughs> no it's uh, yeah it was, it was one of these things where the community learning and development course I think it's nowadays called community education mm. um, it links itself back into Ferry though Ferry Athletic working with kids in the community making them better uh. um, and also what I do now here at, here at Dundee. So it all links itself back in. Absolutely loved the course. Five years of it. Went really, really fast. Had really good placements. One of my placements was being a sexual health worker. Oh, wow. Uh, that, oh, that opened up my eyes massively. Oh, I bet. Um, thoroughly enjoyed that. Going into schools. Um, 
I, I learned I learned so much uh, about people and what people can go through. Mm. Um, and you never know what somebody's going through in their own personal life. Um, and I, I learned a lot at that point about that. And I also did a placement at Kiko, kick it kick off. That was based at Dens, uh, and then it got transferred to Curtin Community Centre, which is about five minutes up the road. And that works with uh, kids that are struggling in school or need extra support in school. And they would come to Kiko and do maths around football. Or if, if they're struggling in English, you would, again, base that around football. Um, using football as that tool of engagement and that tool of education. Mm. And that's exactly what we've done here now at Dundee. So... Yeah, it's one of these ones where it kind of it all links itself in eventually, bar the criminology aspect. <laughs> it all links itself in, and uh, I absolutely love that course. Well, it's, it's, do you know, like, you mentioned the, the experience with the Kiko and, and everything else, and although they might not be directly connected, it forms this mosaic, mm-hmm. which allows you to draw from experience and expertise and transferable skills to create the Dundee sort of community aspect, which is... Absolutely, and it's... Even the job I went on to after that, um, working in criminal justice, well, again with kids though, um, in the youth justice, but speaking to parents, and they've got issues, whether it's whether it's back to their sexual health in terms of that, or the youth justice element, but now dealing with people here on, at work, mm. I know what people are going through, I can offer Aye. them support, I can signpost them to an appropriate agency, where in other jobs, if you told your man you've got an issue, that'd be a case of, well, take three days off work or... Well, God, 20 now, years ago, if you say yeah. that in football, you'll yeah. be like told, exactly. get a grip. Yeah, exactly. So we, uh, the club's got an asset in that point of view where I've got the knowledge to say, look, mm. you can go to this place, you can go to that place, and it can really help. Um, Obviously not going to ask for any specific details or anything yeah. that would even come remotely close to jigsaw identification of anybody, but have you seen any issues arise within the playing staff, for example, that you can look at and go, oh, wow, that's that's an unconventional issue or it's something that you maybe have experienced throughout your previous career, you know, in a way where somebody like, wow, this person needs a bit of help. Yeah, I mean, especially in my previous um there was issues, and I mean, I would point to the Delhi Alley yeah, issue that came up. So absolutely, Delhi Alley for yeah. anyone who's unaware goes from MK Dons, absolute, you know, hot prospect flying yeah. at Tottenham Hotspur, and then just goes way, way off the boil. He gets put out on the lawn to Everton and Basic Task. Can't remember in which order, and he's maybe not turning up for training. I mean, this boy's running it for England at Euro 2016. It later transpires he's getting all sorts of criticism, and it transpires um, in an interview with Gary Neville that he was sexually abused as a as a child and was around he was selling drugs for adults and stuff yeah. and i suppose that was the type of thing i was getting at not that i'm trying to dig anything up no no give absolutely. me something juicy it, it, it goes back to none of us know what goes on exactly i mean i've like we meet today but none of us know what's went on in the past and that's exactly where you come across like new staff members, the exact same regarding that, or if you're working with people on a one-to-one basis, whether it's community trust or whether it's sexual health in the last yeah. place, or whatever it is. Again, you don't know what's went on. It's um, I like to support people. That's that's kind of me as a person. Um, put an arm around them and try and help them on. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's how that course happened, and I went into into youth justice after that. You know, I've seen that kind of. <laughs> I suppose, documented about you uh, from a professional perspective of your management style, kind of putting the arm around people. I'm a friendly, relaxed environment. Is Do you think, is that you as a person naturally or has that been a conscious choice of cultivating that environment? Because football, 
is a notoriously tough, fast-paced and harsh environment at times. Yeah. I think it's... I've watched different people, different managers, not obviously in, in this place, but right throughout my career. And what works and what doesn't work, cultures just now. Uh, and yet I'm trying to create a, a different culture for this football club. Mm. Um, and I've been... I mean, I remember I did a podcast about two years ago when I first got it and I said probably shite not like not this one (laughs) (laughs) what was it I feel bad now no no it's it's a good friend Danny (laughs) (laughs) Danny I was only joking mate it's nothing personal I'm insecure (laughs) Um, and no I remember saying that to to Danny I said I always had the belief that something has to fundamentally change at Dundee Um, and the culture was was key to that and it was just trying to make it a more relaxed culture um and I'm a friendly guy, I, I think. Uh, I can have a laugh and a joke, but can also have serious conversations at a time when that's needed. Um, so, and also, the world that we live in has changed yeah. from what management was like five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. So, I think we're a forward thinking club. Um, and yeah, I just, that's just the way I am. Mm. Well, so, I mean, in terms of like the implementation of a different culture and sort of ethos, that's, it's the foundation for which everything comes from in it and yep. it, it takes longer to sort of implement that you can you can sign players you can change your style of engagement with media but the, the fact is if you don't get those basic pillars right then uh-huh. you're uh, kind of on a hiding to nothing absolutely and that's something that I kind of thought I was naive when I first came in as GM I thought look let's change this change that mm-hmm. and everything would be fine you need people to buy into it yeah and that that was a challenge um and but thankfully the 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 everybody's bought into what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Um, from where the club was to where it is now is night and day. This this setting helps, um, and this setting was crucial to change the culture. But you, you need to you need to have belief in what you want to do, uh, and if you don't have a belief, then how will anybody else get belief in it? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, final just we nod to some of your work experience because I find it relevant senior youth justice worker at SACRO yeah Scottish Community Justice Organisation you're leading the youth justice team across Tayside, Perth and Ross for five years you have got more qualifications <laughs> <laughs> than I have got standard grades right for like unis and more sort of job experience than I've had fucking I don't know shifts at work <laughs> <laughs> yeah my mates always say that as well I'm a good ambassador for education in Aye, Scotland it's, uh, just keep learning yeah, and then um, your postgrad degree in primary teaching, Strathclyde yeah. University. It's it's a tough gig. It's a tough gig. You have um, fucking you have <laughs> talk about free tuition, by the way. <laughs> You've milked that one See, dry. See the sauce and things I like know. that. Yeah, I've, I've milked that. But no, it's 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 made made me the person who I am today. Yeah, it's yeah. given me a really good edge grounding it of uh, and contacts um, as well. And I still speak to a lot of people. Um, had a colleague of mine from Sacro in here last week. Nice. Um, myself and him just blaring away, and, uh, and that's what life's all about. Let's, um, before we talk about the community trust and stuff, I would actually like to talk about Dundee now. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got obviously Tony Dorkett, your manager. And for anybody that's unaware, he was long term assistant to Derek McInnes, current commandant manager at Bristol City. I think they must have met at Dundee United. Yeah, I think they did. Tony was a first team coach. Yeah, that's right. Um, and Derek, I think he was a player. Aye, yeah. and he must have, Tony must have worked under Ian McCall, I think. Ian McCall at Falkirk, and then he would have took him to Dundee United, maybe. Yeah, And then Ian McCall would have left, Gordon Chisholm, maybe, would have come in. Gordon Chisholm, then Craig 
no Craigleffin, I was here before. Yeah. But anyway, Tony, um, long-term assistant to Derek at Bristol City, Aberdeen. He had a brief stint at Forfar as assistant to Gary Irvin. And then he's just had the last season at Kilmarnock and he's now Dundee boss. Now, I mean, I think it's been a terrific start. You're sitting three points behind St Mirren, who are in fifth. You've got a game in hand. I mean, goal difference would need to go in your favour to overtake them and plus uh, results dependent. You're away to Hibs tomorrow. And realistically, now we're looking at a Dundee side where you think they could very, very feasibly go and take three points. You could very feasibly go and take a point or three at Celtic Park on Wednesday. I hope you don't, <laughs> if I'm being completely brutally honest. But that then, I suppose, answers my next question. Like, what made Tony the standout candidate? Because obviously hugely respected in the game. But I'm sure even he would acknowledge and accept that there is going to be a bit of apprehension when you've been a number two, because it's a very different job, isn't it, being manager? Yeah, it is. I mean, Tony's a great guy. Um, loads of experience within mm -hmm. the Scottish football. Knows everybody. Yeah. Um, he's like an encyclopedia of football, honestly. You ask him a question for Scottish football, and he, he gives you the answer. Um, in terms of the actual recruitment, th thankfully... I wasn't really a part of that. Well, I was going to say, so you, you get to just take a back seat? I was take a back seat. I was on hold at the time. See, if I was you, I'd be going to his office and like, Tony, I was pushing for you the whole time. I <laughs> I was, was, you're the only name on my list. <laughs> I remember um, I was getting kept up to date of where we were, where we were at and I was on holiday in the Canary Islands. And, Dundee uh, fans will be raging. GM, he's on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I remember texting John saying, look, we are we with with the manager in Texas back saying we're getting close and it's it's going to be Tony and things like that. So yeah, it was it was really good. So I flew back on the Sunday night uh, to come in here Monday morning with Tony to to do the the press conference and get that ready and things like that. So uh, yeah, it was it was literally landing Edinburgh Airport mm. and six hours later you've got a new manager. So I mean, so that that's a that's what feels like a risk that pays off. Do you think that? sense of oh we got this right does that bleed into other decision making areas yeah or is there always a sort of very like there's a rigidity in how we do everything yeah i mean I, tony's been the right appointment for this football club uh, without question um he's buying into everything we're trying to do and i mean that in terms of the bigger picture the the infrastructure builds that we're wanting to do he's pushing us along every single step of the way um he knows these things take time to, to do, and he, he, he had that at Aberdeen, uh, building Cormark Park. Mm -hmm. uh, he had a massive say in that, and he's helping us with our uh, other development. Um, so, yeah, no, there's there's that element to it where he has got that experience, but uh, hopefully the results continue. Um, mm. Fingers crossed. I mean, as a Dundee fan myself, I, I, I think it's great. Yeah. I've always got a kind of, when I'm in a director's box, I've always kind of got to keep calm. Can't celebrate too much, but I know you would want to lose it. Yeah, you? I, yeah. I remember one time. I think it was Kelly game, just after Christmas. I think it was the twenty seventh of December. That ended up a one each draw. Two two. Oh, was it two two? So we scored like. Oh, wait, did did McInnes not get sent off? Yeah, no, <laughs> no. That was that was one before that. Right, right, okay. So this is like the ninety fourth minute or ninety fifth minute last uh, last minute corner for Dundee. Everybody's up. We're getting beat two one. And Joe Sean is say header goal. Well, I just lost it. Ah. <laughs> I was <laughs> celebrating like mad. I feel like you can let that go. I mean, oh, absolutely. Like We're if, humans. Is it Billy Bowie at Kilmarnock? Yeah. But if I'm yeah. him, I'm going to go, well, fuck's sake, like, it's football, isn't it? He's going yeah. to celebrate. Uh, we, we've got a great relationship with Kilmarnock. Uh, I know their staff well. I speak to Greg uh, quite a bit. He's their GM at, at Kilmarnock mm. as well. And uh, 
yeah, it's it's understandable. I mean, we're humans, but we like football. We're football fans. Um, but that's it. You can you can make the allowance. Like, does 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 overstepping the mark? No, absolutely. It's, it's also there's a lot in the line. Yeah, I aye. mean, the amount of hours we put in, and this is every club and everybody in every position. The amount of hours you put in to make that football club work and and get successful results, um, it's just that joy. Mm-hmm. So why can't you celebrate? Yeah, nah, too right. We've kind of looked at Dundee now, but I want to look at Dundee then. Now I want to talk about this golden era of the 60s and sort of early 70s. Yeah. Bob Shankly was a manager for a long period. His brother, Bill Shankly, yeah. Liverpool legend. Um, 1962, Dundee were champions in the following season. They reached the semi-finals of the European Cup, mm-hmm. beating Cologne, Sporting Lisbon, Anderlecht, and lose to AC Milan and aggregate in the semi-finals. Dodgy ref. Was it a dodgy ref? <laughs> it was a dodgy that ref. makes sense. So the Italians have good <laughs> fucking form for that. You kept a clean sheet against Milan in the home leg at Dens Park. Now, can you imagine oh. hearing that sentence, Dundee and AC Milan at Dens Park? I know, I know. It's I mean, insane. Dundee back then were a team, a proper football team. I mean, um, I mean they were the Man Cities, the Man Uniteds yeah. uh, back then. I, I've, I'm sure I've read in the book as well that they actually represented the Queen's Commonwealth in Australia. Wow. Um, they went to South Africa on tour. Uh, and, if, and that that actually, that summer when we won the league, we went to Iceland on a pre-season tour. So, and nowadays for pre-season tours, you go to like Marbella, Aye. Portugal, you know what I mean? No, no us, we went to Iceland. Um, <laughs> I mean, the word ice alone puts you off it. I know. <laughs> no, I, I just, I think, I wonder why. To see it as well, right? You know, the League Cup final, the Follow, or sorry, in 1968, so the year after, Cel- the season after Celtic won the European Cup. Um, even that season as well, and what was then the UEFA Cup Europa League, reached the semi-finals of the Inter-Cities Fair Cup, as it was known then, beating opposition for Holland, Belgium, Switzerland, met Leeds United, so that would have been Don Revy's Leeds United yep. in the semi-final, who Celtic faced in the European Cup semi-final two years later, when they went on to fucking lose to Feyenoord in Milan. Um, drawn one each at Dens and then a 1-0 win taking leads through like it is actually quite hard to get the head around because you just always think of clubs in their current incarnation absolutely yeah but you look at many clubs like that look at Nottingham Forest oh god I under, under Clough um, even on a, I know they're, they're hardly a small side but Aston Villa as well yeah. European Cup winners yep I mean it's only you think nowadays because the ages that we're at, Man United is the Man Cities, the Arsenal's. Well, we're saying yeah. Man United, but that's because me and you remember Man U being the big, big hitters, but they're Under an absolute sharks. fucking shambles. Yeah, yeah, and they have been for eleven years, <laughs> <laughs> but I still talk about them. No, they're a bunch of mugs. Like, yeah, I think was it uh, Bournemouth went and done them in three 0 at Old Trafford like yeah. recently, and yeah. I know they're getting decent results here and there, but you're like. That's not the Manchester United no, we grew up with. No. So there's actually an example Absolutely. of hold, there's probably some old guy listening to that going, What the fuck are you talking about? Dundee are massive. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing though, like Dundee were a huge football Aye. club. I would love to see a study conducted as to what were the contributing factors to to that changing. Is it the distribution of population in yeah. bigger cities? Yep. What 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 was it? As as others I know Glasgow and Edinburgh are big cities and Glasgow particularly in terms of population as well and there's, there's the also added factor of social political identity leading to people supporting certain clubs. Yep. Um, that's a euphemistic way of saying sectarian <laughs> divide. <laughs> um, but I, I would, I would just be fascinated to see why, because Dundee United as well, obviously uh-huh. in, in latter years, yep. absolutely flying, and yep. are we playing Roma in semi-finals European yep. competition? Under McLean, Jim McLean. Aye, yeah. It's like 
wow. It's, and, Dund- it's, and Dundee turned Jim McLean Dillon's manager. Did they? Yeah. Uh-huh. Jim McLean was a Jim McLean was a coach for Dundee. No way. Uh, and I can't remember who the manager was at the time, but we obviously we got rid of him, and Jim McLean applied for him. He said no, so he went across the road to United. Oh wow! So it's the uh, it's the uh, what if? Uh-huh. What if we went for Jim McLean? I know. You would have players on fourteen year contracts. That's <laughs> why. <thing. laughs> but these glory years from the sixties would have would have continued. Uh, even in the right 70s up, and eighties. Even right up to nineteen seventy three. Yeah. He won the League Cup, beating Celtic 1-0 in, in yep. pure parallel universe stuff. Tommy Gemmell was the Dundee captain that day. Yeah, I actually, I actually went to a dinner uh, about two weeks back. Um, it was hosted by the Dundee Supporters Association and it was for the for the, uh, for the the League Cup win. So we watched the highlights of the game. Oh, God, 50th anniversary. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was absolutely great. Wow. Uh, Jockey Scott, who I know well went on to become manager over multiple occasions most yeah. recently 09 he came in after Alex Ray didn't he he did yeah so three times he was manager great player yeah absolutely fantastic play. he went out to the States as well to play oh did he um, but yeah what, what a side we had back then it was really good I mean Gordon Wall scored the the, the winning goal against Celtic um, he comes along to our community trust programmes must so. have been a dodgy ref that day <laughs> <laughs> was it the same one as the AC Milan <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> Celtic would never lose that. <laughs> Apparently the weather was horrific though. Was it? Eh? Like really bad snow and rain and all that going through there. So Celtic didn't fancy it. <laughs> Dundee have turned up. But to- I mean Tommy Gemmell. I wonder if Jimmy Johnson, because Jimmy Johnson latterly played for Dundee. Um, but I'm trying to think what year that would have been. I think it was Tommy Gemmell maybe. Was Tommy Gemmell a player coach or was he a manager? Because I'm pretty sure he brought Jimmy Johnson in. He was in. a manager. I'm positive he was a manager. Aye. Um, and he would have managed then a young Gordon Strachan, I believe. He did. Gordon was in that game. His current technical. Oh, he played. He was in that game in the '73. Did not know that. Uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> and he's still cutting about fifty years <laughs> later. He's still here uh-huh. at the training centre. Wow, that's incredible. And they actually tra- they trained uh, at Strathmartin Hospital. Um, wow. Which is about ten minutes from here. They also used the pitches here uh, back in the day as well. The, tra- the training pitches that we train now above just there. The ghosts of Dundee Football I know, Club just circulating. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk about, we need to come to the 2000s. And this is this is your time. I love this time. Absolutely loved it. The club was owned by brothers Peter and James Marr. And, I mean, you'll, you'll know the sort of inner mechanisms of a football club now. What the fuck were they playing at? <laughs> like, they were just spending money. Were they spending and thinking, we'll buy players and then we'll sell them on? or And then it kind of comes to a bit of a, Cataclysmic end because they don't have the income that they expect one yeah. season and the arse falls out of it. I think it's it? also like ITV Digital went bust. Uh, um, yeah. uh, you get Roger Mitchell gets a lot of grief for making an arse of the TV deal, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, and other clubs got loans from the banks that they shouldn't have got. Yeah. You look like Motherwell, Dunfermline, Livy. Um, I wonder what caused the financial crash of 2008. <laughs> the football clubs. You know what you're saying? Like just <laughs> banks in general, just like, I take it. Fuck it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, though, it was a great time. I remember going to to the club shop after school. Mum picked me up from, from school, take us up to the club shop, take up my first ever Dundee top. Claudio Canidia on the back. Canidia. I've got it signed now from Canidia. Nice. Um, and uh, no, Who's this looking through the window? <laughs> oh, no, that's uh, Adam Legson. He's a good pal of mine. <laughs> He's a good lad. He's a good lad. Canidia, um, you've got the sign shot. How did you get him to sign it? I was at an event about five years back. Uh, he was in Dundee. Um, and he signed it then. 
that's still so mental that Claudio Canidia, three times World Cup participation for Argentina. We're cutting about in Dundee. Let's look <laughs> at some of the players right now. I've got all the obvious ones that I would just like to go over just for the, the madness of them signing for Dundee. But also there's a couple of other ones that people might not know, but it just kind of gives us a glimpse into where Dundee were operating and shopping. Yeah. So you've got Claudio Canidia played in three World Cups for Argentina, signed from Atalanta. I think it was a free transfer. Now they're currently fourth in Serie A. <laughs> Right, that's what Dundee do. Though, right? know, just, just go for the big guns. Right, yeah, Devano Benetti, who was player manager, he won Serie A with Juventus <laughs> <laughs> in the late eighties, I believe. So what else? Some long longevity he had. Also played for Sampdoria and Bologna, amongst others. Now you had Marco De Marchi, who played for Juventus and Roma. Yeah, with Timuri Kitsbaya, oh legend, aye, former Newcastle, signed him from Wolves. People might remember him absolutely leathering the advertising. That's boards. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've got. Now, a player, Johnny Hernandez, he was yep. Venezuelan. He played 69 games for the club. He was signed from Real, Real Madrid. Madrid yeah. <laughs> what a left back, by the Aye. way. Proper left back. Listen, really if good. If, you, if you're there for two seasons and you played just under 70 games, you're a player. Oh, absolutely. You're, you're at least, you're yeah. at least um, consistent. Say they're a player for Real Madrid. You signed Craig Burley from Derby. That's who, right. I mean, would he sign like 2003? Yeah, it was just before the administration. It's probably 2004 ish. So um, five. He's been. Was Craig Burley at Chelsea? No. No, who did Craig Burley play for in England? I mean, he played for. Why am I thinking Craig Burley played for Chelsea? He was obviously at Celtic, Celtic won the league in 1998. Yeah. Um, Had Ravanelli. Fabrizio Ravanelli. 22 caps for Italy <laughs> at a time when you think of the team that they would have had he back scored, then. He scored a heart three against Clyde. <laughs> <laughs> Roy Keane get beat off a Clyde <laughs> 2005 I actually where's Gordon Stratton I might fucking pull him up for that <laughs> he, he was the manager that day <laughs> um, if I do get a sit down that's the first thing I'm going to say what the fuck was that of it um, two, Fabrizio Ravinelli had 22 caps for Italy um, played for Juventus Marseille Lazio he, went, he signed for Middlesbrough for £10 million by the yeah. way see when I hear the, free. see when I hear the name Fabrizio Ravinelli I just, in Middlesbrough, I just picture that BT cell net shot and he's mad silver hair. And you've got Sebastian Neisel, I think he was a, a German player. Yeah, so I, I still speak to Seb actually. Yeah, he's uh, he does uh, German TV now. Does he? Eh? Yeah, so he signed for, he had a, he's a, a striker. He had about four years at Chelsea, signed, they got him for Frankfurt. Now at that same time as well, and I'm also an audience for this, you, you make it to the Scottish Cup final, I think in 2003. I get a really distinct memory of Lee Wilkie playing in that. Would he have been? In the cup final, uh-huh. he was suspended. Oh, is he? Yeah. He got, he got a booking in the semis. Lorenzo Amoruso scores, I think it might have been a header for a Header, that's right. We yeah, had the post, Barry Smith, who, defender, right back, um, had a beautiful volley, hit the post. It must have been about the first couple of minutes into the game. Um, and where I was sitting, I was, I was in the, I was in the, right behind the goal, I thought I was in. I got what so excited. Celtic won nothing that year. <laughs> And we were in contention for four trophies. We I don't know, I can't remember what happened in the Scottish Cup semi. Mm. We lose the League Cup final to Rangers. It was bizarrely on Channel Five. Oh, yeah. We lose the league at the last day of the season. Yeah. The infamous Chris Sutton accusing them firmly lying down. <laughs> we, should I say accusing or correctly observing? <laughs> um, and we lose at Rugby Park, and then also I Seville happens as well. So that was. That's a painful year. But, I mean, two top six finishes within that period as well. Yeah, it's one of these sides, though. I think we could have done better with the players that we had. Yeah. You, you talk of the talent. Um, it was unbelievable. Kenija especially. He, yeah. goes to, he goes to Rangers a year later. Yeah, I, mean, I remember his debut against Aberdeen. I remember him scoring goals against St Mirren. I think we beat St Mirren 5-0 at home. 
you had a, a young Spaniard who's uh, he's fondly remembered in every corner of this country, and Nacho Novo as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. How, where does he get him from? Did he Wraith Rovers. Oh, got him so from Wraith Rovers, and he was up front with Stuart Lovell. Um, was it, no, not Stuart Lovell. Stevie Lovell. Stevie Lovell. Uh, we got him from Portsmouth, I think. Uh, do you so know it was a good, was good attacking force. Uh, no, I, I mean, unbelievable. Like, like what recruitment was obviously very decent. Recruitment was great, but tactics could have been better. Yeah, uh, I actually met the Benetis in November past. Just the, it was them, Sarah, Juan uh, Sarah, Juan Sarah, Julian Speroni. Yeah, yeah, I went down to his testimonial against Crystal uh, Palace. Aye, Palace, aye. That was that was class. Two thousand Dundee fans. You know, go on to play about four hundred games for Palace or something like yeah, something. Oh, what a legend! He's one of the best goalkeepers I've ever seen. Really? Aye. Oh, he was fantastic. This is. Have you ever seen? There's a tweet that circulates now and again, and it's a kind of format of a joke, and it basically says something like, "Guys will literally have the best time just saying the names of old footballers for twenty years ago." <laughs> and that's it. I'm like, yes, Wine Sarah, <laughs> Julius Peroni. <laughs> Like it's just, so true. Aye, it's it brings game. back the memories, eh? Aye. It's uh, and I remember going down in 2016. I want to say down to Palace uh, for the Spironi testimonial. Yeah. 2000 Dundee fans. I remember Alan Pardew said it was the best away support. Did they? Eh? At Selhurs Park. Wow. I we never stopped singing for the entire match. Uh, Palace fans are really good as well. Oh, they are. They're yeah. Fanatical. Yeah, it was a great game. Pretty sure I've heard Simon Ferry talking about uh, going to that testimonial. Was it not like the end of the season was That's done? That's right, yeah. They had a drink and Paul Hartley went mental at them. <laughs> <laughs> Season's over, mate. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's finished. So uh, that was that was great that time. But even going back to, like, to the to the 2000s, it's, uh, it brings it all back, sitting there like me and Cammy watching the games and yeah, oh, some of play. <sighs> but we should have done better. Yeah, you like top what, two top six we finished? Two top sixes. Which by then better. I mean these are Celtic and Rangers speak for themselves. Livingston I think had a phenomenal season or two where I'm pretty sure they actually finished third. They yeah. held Celtic and Rangers to nil nil draws at Almondville. So this would have been maybe two thousand and two. It's like when Jim Leishman was in charge. Must Olivier. have been. Yeah, or D V Hay. Ah, it would have been. It was it was one of them anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um I mean so th- there it's not as if it was a it was a weak like a weak league at that point, yeah. it wasn't it? I, I think it was a cracking league. It was. You I'm had the ten thousand seater rule though. That was a pain in the arse. Yeah, it was annoying. Because I remember Libby had to do things to their stadium. We had to do things to our stadium. Remember Falkirk had like a mad gazebo. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, glory days, man. I know. I I I enjoyed it. Yeah, I really did. It just didn't end too great. No, it did. But, but no, over, I mean, it overspent massively. Overspent. It comes to head, and you get about was it two thousand and five, six, where things really start to go south. Or was yeah, well, two thousand four was administration, administration oh, right. number one, and administration number two was two thousand and ten. Um, so, yeah, I, I remember both of them. I was at school for the first one. I literally thought that was us. That was us finished as a football club. I thought. My Saturdays were ruined, not going to matches anymore. Your life is feasibly... Anybody who's not a football fan, it's not a football fan, it's your club. Yep. You're like... Oh, you it's d- your way of life. Nobody's like that. Yay, football. You're like, it's your club. Yeah. And your club happens to play football. Yeah, exactly. And, and people say, oh, how do you get that upset about football? And you're like, I don't, because I don't really give a shit what's happening with other clubs, but what's happening with mine means yeah. everything to me. Absolutely. It's, it's your way of life. It's what you've been brought into. I mean, I always classed Dundee as an institution, in a sense of like... Oh, undoubtably. What, 1893 club was founded? I mean, yes. it has been around for a long, long time. Absolutely, absolutely. And 
be, I used to get pelters at school. Oh, your team's shit and things like that. And that really, it got to you. Yeah. Um, so to be in a position now where you can make a change and your team's not shit anymore. What's, what's this, what was the sort of demographic when you were growing up? Was was there a lot of United fans? Was there a lot of Celtic and Rangers? Mostly United fans. Uh, right, I, mean, wow. I live in Brody Ferry, Money Feet End, so mostly mostly United fans. I used to get stick every day, especially during that time. I used to get teachers giving us stick in class. And United were Call me that. Blue Nose and everything like that. Oh, it was tough. <laughs> That's so funny. It's so funny how you take away the sort of religious edge to it that that actually is seen as acceptable. Yeah, no. That happens in Glasgow. Your, your riots are yeah, kicking off. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. That's, that's one thing here in the, in the East, though. It's, it is banter, if you want to call it that, but when you're closing administration, staff are getting like paid off. Well... It's it's hellish. Um, it's people's lives. Thankfully, though, in two thousand and four, you didn't really have social media. <laughs> yeah. That's one blessing, I suppose. But two thousand and ten, you did. Yeah. The beginnings of it, anyway. Yeah, you go back into administration. Yeah. Now, I mean, what's kind of nuts about that? So that's two thousand and ten, and then it's not until June two thousand and thirteen that Tim Keys from Austin, Texas, and his and his main man John Nelms, who we were chatting to in the reception. Yeah. How? Do you know how they ended up coming to the club? Because, see, out of pure curiosity, this is a level of detail I go into. I looked at where, so Tim Keyes owns Keyes Capital. He's the CEO. I think it was founded by his dad. Yep. And I wanted to find out everything I could. <laughs> because I think when I find out every morsel of information, it gives me a better idea of just the entire picture. Yep. And I've seen outside his office in Austin. And I'm like, what was it about Dundee where you go, I tell you what, Tell you what, we're just gonna move all our stuff over there. <laughs> That's me doing like him his Scottish affectation. But what I mean is they're worlds apart, the universities yeah. apart, and <clears throat> there's not a lot of money to be made in football. So it's like one, how does he end up here? Two, why does he stay for ten years? And three, why does he keep putting all of his vast sums of his own money in to yep. to build this up? A few factors. Fan base. Yeah. We have a large fan base. Um, was a Dundee supporters club in Austin <laughs> <laughs> if you're looking to take over a club though you're looking for many things a, a club with no debt yeah we just came out of administration at that point so we didn't have any debt uh, large fan base a club with massive potential um, so they're the key kind of factors if, if you're looking for a football club um, and I think what what they and we uh, latterly have done in the last 10 years from when I was a fan, greeting my eyes out at two ministrations, getting slagged off by teachers for being a blue nose, <laughs> and I'll look back and go, ha ha. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I think we've done well. But who's sitting in sixth place in the exactly, Scottish Predators? Exactly, exactly. I'm delighted. <laughs> um, and I make sure my friends know as but well. Do you know, do you know what I mean? That? Who, who finds them? Does, yeah. she, does she find the opportunity? Where does Dundee and Tayside yeah. cross into this? Multi, so multi, multi millionaire Texans orbit. No, absolutely. But it's also, if you look for a club down south, the amount of wealth you're going to have to spend to buy that club. So, did he want, did he actively want a, a football club in the UK? That's a question for him. Um, What's he phone him? <laughs> I don't know. What's the time anyway? They're, always, they're six hours behind, so you're talking like half nine in the morning. Um, <laughs> They'll just be getting up then. Right? Exactly. Yeah, we've got a, we've got I've a already sent him two emails today already. So. <laughs> we've got a question for you, Tim. <laughs> That's a question you can ask John. When we do this, we sit down podcast. Yeah, will do. I know parts of the story. It's really interesting. It is is interesting. Um, Because it's just like if you if you want a cash cow, Scotland ain't it. Not for Scottish football, and that's what I love, and I hope it remains that way. So I feel I just feel like there's 
I'm maybe I'm just romanticizing something that's not there, but I'm like, yeah. I just feel as if there's so got to be something want, there. You wouldn't want the commercialization from the English leagues up into Scotland. Never, never, never. Ah, okay. And I know that not even like a tiny bit of it. I mean, I would like a fraction of it, but I think that can be achieved through better commercialisation of the, the league that we have without having to, to change anything. See, when I look at the way the football has gone in England yep. and the fan experience and Liverpool fans asking Manchester United manager at the time, Jose Mourinho, for a selfie, <laughs> that to me is, is the unthinkable. That's the pure yeah. hashtag game's gone. And what See, I, I don't mind that. I hate it. I don't. I, 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 I like the business element of English football. I like how they've got their fan zones outside the ground. You can go three can, hours before a match. You can thing. have that. You can have that. But I just mean, I mean, Cardiff changing the colour of their yeah, strips. Yeah, no, I, yeah. And, and I know that's we're talking about extremities. But what I love about Scottish football is the just the purity of it and maybe I'm old fashioned and I'm romanticising something that could be classified as archaic and keeping us in the past but I mean in terms of attendances per capita we're like one of the best attended in terms of the population if we get the best attendances in the world alright they might not be through the roof 60,000 yeah, yeah. but we've only got about 6 million people exactly. in the country yeah. how many of them are realistically actually interested in football so there is a huge appetite for it yep. and right down to I mean to just use a colloquial term the patter that goes along with Scottish football yep. I don't believe that you get that in I don't England. think we get enough credit for the game that we produce no we don't and we, I think we downplay it quite a bit and look at some of the players that we've been producing in uh -huh. recent years which Absolutely. I put down hugely in part to the SFA school football scheme yeah, yeah. where they the JD where they put the players into yeah, and we've got one ourselves. Have you? We've we've got our own one. We've got our, our own performance school. Um, we've had a number of players through that. Um, mm. I'm sure we'll go into that later. But no, going back to the commercialisation, it's something that I, I love. MLS football. I think it's I think it's good. Now, some people when I say that look at me in a funny way, like Hi. MLS. But like I'm doing right now. <laughs> man, really. But like seeing the fan engagement and even the youth program, unbelievable. See, these are great. Just. Don't start messing with the game, or not even the game. Don't start messing with the clubs or identity or the fans. No, I, I get, I totally, Aye. I'm totally with that. I mean, Dundee Football Club is dark blue. Yeah, we're not going to change our colours to yellow. Yeah, yeah, that's just not. Or us. even like that Hull Tigers pish. Yeah, yeah. Hull City Tigers, like, because you are, are changing kickoff times to suit Asian audiences, and yeah, you can do that now and again. Or playing Italian Super Cup or Spanish games in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So, what's your thoughts on the uh, European Super League? How are we defining that like this? So what is this going to be like a, a, a replacement for the Champions League? Yeah, but only selected teams. And and they no longer participate in that. No, I'll get it to fuck. Yeah, and I agree. I think Champions League, you're there on merit. Yeah. If we have a great season, for example, we yeah. finish second in the league or first, which yeah. would be unbelievable. But that means we, we deservedly should be in the Champions League. Exactly. Why should a team that are just there for default exactly. are in there every single year. They could finish 18th in the Premiership. Are England getting five teams now or is it Spain are getting five teams and it's like because of their, their league coefficient? I'm just, a, sorry, their, their international coefficient rating. I'm just, I'm not having it. But the, uh, I mean, the Super League thing and then, or like talk about Celtic Rangers going to England. No. No. Because when I look back at the history of, of of my team or listen I can even look at the history of Rangers and we're talking about obviously they've been the two bike hitters 
those historical ties which you still talk about to this day are games that I didn't witness yep. but I could still tell you what happened yep. the 1985 Scottish Cup final the 1988 Scottish Cup final where Celtic going to do the centenary uh, the centenary uh, won the league and won the Scottish Cup in the last dying seconds of the game I wasn't there that was before I was born yep. and I know everything about them and I want that to die and to yep. be a relic of the past no I want to still be coming to Tannadice I want to still go to Dens that's Scottish football and, that, and I, I when the minute you start messing with that, it's dead. This thing that's been around for all these years is dead. And people might say, you shouldn't stand in the way of progress. Why well, say you actually have to preserve things no, at, I, at I, times as well? No, absolutely. There's, there's certain aspects that we need to protect. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of aspects that in Scottish football we could definitely improve. Would well, you know how I think we could maximise it? We could, we could interrupt the pattern of the Scottish government's repeated, and the police's repeated attack and criminalisation of football fans. And it's something that I know it's difficult for you to speak about because of the position that you're in. Yeah. But I can. And I think it's it's kind of ob- information that's just objectively there. And the, the way that football fans are, they are targeted. And I think Celtic carried out or they commissioned a study from either Strathclyde Uni or Glasgow Uni to look at what they alone. And you can rest assured, again, for the interest of balance, Rangers, you will have a very similar uh, contribution to the Scottish economy. But what they do bring in in terms of tax, in terms of revenue, in terms of eyes on the country, in terms of fans travelling all over, and that goes for every group of fans. Okay, yep. it'll be in different scales, yeah, yeah. but they're travelling places. They're spending money in fuel and travel. They're going to pubs and restaurants and shops, and they're injecting wealth. And the way in which they're, they're completely demonised, and they are demonised, and uh, ch- anybody who wants to challenge me on that, feel free, because I stand by what I say. Um, from either from doors getting booted in or when when Celtic's last game of the season and Ange Postecoglou's first year we get fucking kettled in by the police and everybody started pure panicking because the crowd was bottlenecking uh-huh. for no reason whatsoever there was no reason and we were asking see when you ask what was that all about fuck off and get in the ground uh, sorry who do you think you're talking to uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but then what, what what is what actually is the rebuttal to some big fat Six foot eight Polis, who's probably five years away for retirement. Would that? Would he actually say back to that? And it, that, to me, is it's symptomatic of a wider problem and in, in the way in which the sport is sort of looked upon. And it's it's a national sport. It's what most people are interested in. No, absolutely. And, and obviously, I can't speak specifically about that with the Scottish government. But in terms of like feedback from fans, hearing things like that Aye. can help prove the game, but well, we have done, to engage a lot more. The Dundee fans no going mental about something just recently, in the last couple of weeks, it's something that happened. Uh, or was it fans in another club? Could be another one. Maybe, I can't remember what it was. I remember seeing it on Twitter and going and thinking, that just happens all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's something, that's something I'm really keen to do, is speak to fans and find out like what what's going well and what isn't, anything yeah. we can improve. Because at the end of the day, we're trying to make it a family atmosphere. Uh, yeah. We want kids to... And mums and mums and kids to go to games and uh, see, well, see, like enjoy see the football. I, see, if I was in the Scottish government and I had no interest in football as a sport, yep. I would most certainly have interest in the sort of fiscal benefits. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. it's like, why, why are you stifling that? Yep. it makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, the, the amount of money for away fans spend. I know. I mean, you go to local pubs around the, around the stadiums, shops, buses. Yeah, exactly. Local bus companies. Trains, you know what I mean? It's unbelievable. Even further down the line as well, like what we are talking about with structure and scaffolding and framework, Scottish teams start, I don't know, let's just say if there is 
there's outside investment and even grassroots football. Uh-huh. And people may come back and say, well, no, well, there is, but I don't think there's enough done. And it, it doesn't always have to just mean pounds and pence either. It means hours and minutes as well and input. And imagine imagine Dundee do start playing in Europe or Dundee United or any other club, you know, they start elevating. What that could mean just for the country as a whole, it's something to be really seriously considered. Absolutely. And it also gets kids back involved in football. So for wherever you are in the, whatever part of Scotland, if your local team's doing well, the likelihood is that kids will want to kick a ball. Yeah. Um, and that's where we have to get better in terms of offering facilities to the community. Because um, facilities are expensive to yeah. to hire, and especially for grassroots teams. Well, it's so expensive. That's a great way for us to kind of move into this, talking about the Dundee FC Community Trust. It was established in November 2017. Yep. You joined as a Community Trust Manager. You were appointed CEO just three years later in 2022 after joining in 2019. Now the tagline is deliver change and transform lives. Yeah. How 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 are you setting about doing that? What we do at the Community Trust is unique in the sense that we truly believe in what we do. So we go into schools and it goes back to what I said about Kiko a couple of years, uh, a couple of uh, minutes back in regards to using the power of football as that tool of engagement. So when I was at school, I hated math. Absolutely hated it. Why? Because you got a book in front of you and got told to walk through that book. Yeah. Well, if somebody actually put footballs in front of me or used used analogy of football to, to explain math, the likelihood is I would pick up on it. So, so somebody standing up and being like, now, Dundee have got 28 points, but they go into administration and they're top 12. <laughs> well, things like that, Aye, though. Yeah, like, yeah, was, it's still, still math. Yeah, I was being, only being partly facetious <laughs> as well. Like, <laughs> it's, I, I remember when I was supporting a, a young person and I used like ticket prices. Yeah. And says, look, you paid 30 quid there for a ticket, but if I take uh, £5 away for that ticket, how much is left? Oh, it's 25 and stuff like that. So... Again, it's using football as that tool of engagement. Why yeah. don't we use something that kids like and enjoy? Why does everything need to be written in a, in a jotter? And so, yeah, that aspect, deliver change, transform lives, is to go into schools and really start working with teachers, uh, school pupil support workers. Um, we've got a girls' academy, which is doing fantastic. Uh, when, when the new development's up and running, um, the, the women's team will be there. What new development might that be? <laughs> I, I, it's too early to comment on that just now, but seriously, it's and I mentioned grassroots here, uh, a few moments back. It involves that as well. I mean, yeah, uh, the, it's that the club's now got a massive community community presence. Um, we've got a strategy moving forward. I'm extremely privileged to be the CEO of of the charity. It's our social responsibility. I believe every club's got that. Um, but so you know, I think it's socially ethically and morally decent but it also I mean we could say this with a wry smile it has its strategic commercial benefits as well it does it does and and why shouldn't it yep no it does I mean we're working with all these uh, individuals whether from toddlers right away through to your twilight years yeah they come now to Dundee games they now Aye. buy Dundee tops they're engaged with that football club um so yeah, it does have commercial benefits, absolutely. And why? And you know why shouldn't you benefit from that? No, absolutely. But we're also doing something what's right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and if you look through my history, it's all about education, all about community. Um, so and I love football. So why not merge it into one? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's great, and the knock-on effects and benefits that that type of thing can have. Just 
for me, that kept me on a straight and narrow right up to 18, and then it all went south. Yeah. But it was just football, for, you know, for the age of six, seven, and that was me right up, right up to about 21, 22. And those are then, I don't know, a, a, like a personal framework, a standards of fitness. Yeah. Like even now, my number one priority is, or focus is my physical fitness. Yeah. I'm in a gym six, seven days a week, and I would never have had that if I hadn't have started and playing, you know. With football because it's just something that then it bleeds into your sort of everyday life and existence no absolutely and like our football camps are the biggest ever we have them here in the training ground so they get to see the players all the time that's uh, that had the knock-on effect that has on kids it'll be unbelievable they, they, they love it um i mean last week we had uh mid-term camp um and the players went up to go and see the kids doing oh, their tra- doing the training they love loved that. it and they're giving out free tickets for the game against ross county and, and so on i had something when i was 13 and I was at Barrafield at Celtic's training ground and asked Ross Wallace to sign my boots. He told me to fuck off. <laughs> That's a fact. Dundee lad too, Ross. I know, eh? That's true. He told me to fuck off. Sean Maloney signed it. David Marshall looked awkward and Ross Wallace went, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and off I fucked. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, the Dundee, the Dundee players are very good at that. Yeah. Um, I remember on Tony's first day as manager, he, I was between the, the press conferences press conferences that we were doing we took them upstairs to the summer camp ah, nice. and he met the kids they all love that, that was and there were like 80 forever. kids there and there's still a pitch that we still use today uh, he loved it as well Yeah, but the, the kids loved it um, again it just, it just goes back into linking yourself with that community yeah. if you link yourself in that community they'll come out and support you they'll buy tickets they'll buy tops they'll come home and away and it makes your club stronger I believe even if I've heard you saying before even if you're not a Dundee fan Yep. We still want to help you because you're part or, or have a positive influence or impact because you're still part of the community and we share this community and, and it will then give them an affinity where they still want you to do well and they still will lend their support and that that support does go two ways, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, a l- I mean there's not a lot, but we do have individuals that come here that aren't Dundee fans. Yeah. Some of that support United, that, that support Dundee United. But that's absolutely fine. Come along, we can offer that support or we can signpost you. Yeah, to any other agency that that needs your help. So, yeah, it's I, I absolutely love it. Uh, really proud of what the team are doing. Um, and uh, once this facility opens, we can uh, really start to kick on. A facility is opening. <laughs> oh, we're getting closer. We're getting somewhere. Maybe you might have the exclusive on Blair too. You might. You might not. I might never get invited back. Um, we I suppose we can't go or, or speak all this time without touching on. The, the hero that is Gordon Strachan, he was actually the person that essentially brought you in to become yeah, the I mean, position I, you're in. Yeah, so Gordon and I have been roughly in the club at the same time. I think he was the July 2019, or oh, June 2019, and I was uh, September. And then uh, in, some, in late 2021, we spoke about the general manager's role. And then, uh, yeah, here I am from, from basically June 2022. So Gordon, I speak to Gordon most weeks. Um, Living my dream. <laughs> Love Gordon Strachan, man. I get phone calls from him. I ask him questions. Um, I get a lot of advice from him. Um, and a gentleman that I will always uh, be very fond of mm. and appreciative of for the yeah. support that I've got um, from sitting in his office, which is further down down this down this uh, facility, and saying, "Look, I'm having a hard time doing this or a hard time doing that, or can I get some advice?" And he's there. He's li- he's there. And uh, that really means a lot, especially at the age that I'm at. We're talking about management styles as well, and you know, I yeah. asked you this. I said he's he's very dry and abrasive. 
with media and footballers. Yeah. And I was saying, is that a persona in order for him to get to achieve his objectives? And you were saying, yeah, it is. He's actually yeah. very warm. I, I I don't think it was ever in doubt, but sometimes you're like, oh, fuck's sake. He's a great guy. Yeah. He really does. And he knows when to put an arm around you. Yeah. But he also knows when the time is to kind of show it. And obviously, he's never done that to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you must be doing a good job then. But uh, no, he's, he's seen it. And the whole family's nice as well. Um, and uh, it's an absolute privilege to to work alongside him. Um, but we share one thing in common, and that is making sure you get the right people involved, mm. create the right culture, and then you're on to a winner after that. Mm. I can't believe he's been here for five years. Yeah, I know. He's been instrumental in the Youth Academy. Yeah. Uh, before, I mean, before in school now, we've got at St. John's, and uh, we've now turned that into a CIC, Community Interest Company. Oh, right, so nice. it's an idea that we came up with couple of years back through COVID of how how could you protect an academy um, let's see you get new owners coming in uh, like I don't know from Mars or wherever wherever mm-hmm. in the world you want them to be from and let's say their objective is just the first team so how can you protect the academy so let's change that into a separate company that has its own directors you can get funding from elsewhere from that and uh, yeah it's now a social enterprise so um, again that's just knowledge of funding that we've gained up uh, through the years and that now protects the academy for years and mm. decades to come. A nice wee combination of strategic planning, knowledge of how to go about these things, and then having a character like Gordon Strachan. Because yep. even, in, I suppose, in the planning of any community enterprise or anything to do with a football club, it is related to a football club, and you need football expertise, and it's actually... Absolutely. I, mean, I don't think people even realise as well the the depth of experience and achievement Gordon Strachan has because everybody looks at it through their own wee prism of where were you familiar with him but starts at Dundee gets a move to Aberdeen under Alex Ferguson yep. wins multiple European trophies leagues Scottish Cups goes to Man U to escape Fergie Fergie comes not long <laughs> after he must have been like you are fucking joking <laughs> you are joking I think Fergie sells him he leads he wins the league with Leeds they beat Man United to the title yeah. Um. They were then the foremost team. Did he play? At Co- he played at Coventry. He's a manager he? as well. He manager at Coventry. Yeah. Manager at Southampton. Manager at Celtic. Three and three league titles in a row. Champions League last sixteen. Narrowly going out to the team who went on to win it a year. Oh no, would it have been that season? I get to beat like AC Milan beat Liverpool that season in Athens. Yeah. Kaka scores the only goal in extra time. Sc- Scotland manager. You could argue that he laid the foundations for for Steve Clark, for Steve Clark, and, yeah. what, and what's you know everything he's going on to achieve, and uh, he had his time at Middlesbrough. But I'm sure he probably just want to forget <laughs> about that. But um, I mean, a, a, a real great career. Th- there are legends of the game, and yeah, there are legends yeah. of the game, and he's up there oh, without, without a doubt. Um, it's when you want to ask him a stupid question. <laughs> I've asked many stupid questions, I tell you. Right. Billy Shields uh, won't be getting published for thousands of people to listen to them. <laughs> no, honestly, you should try and get Gordon here. I think right. it would be great for you. I really do. Um, what he's done at Dundee Football Club is, is massive. And I don't think it's a full appreciation. Mm, yeah. um, he's along alongside the staff here. We're, we're building a really good, solid football club. I don't think that uh, Tim Keyes and John Nelms would keep him here if he wasn't contributing something significant because they don't have... To them, I'm sure they've got the utmost respect for them. But in essence, they're just like you're just a wee ginger guy for Scotland. Like it got the, the name Gordon Strachan doesn't mean as much <laughs> to somebody from Texas. No, everything that goes with it. So I think it's probably testament to what he has contributed. No, absolutely. I mean, Gordon and John are good friends. They've known mm. each other for many years, even before uh, Gordon getting this role. But um, yeah, I mean, Gordon's done a terrific job here. Uh, yeah. Really has. 
I don't know what I expected when I was coming up to the training facility, but it is it is seriously, seriously impressive. Yep. And um, we've worked hard. When we came in, it was just an empty shell. Yeah. Um, it was just I th- COVID. I think just the even the brand it's Dundee everywhere. Like you're in you're in no doubt as to where you are. Yeah. It's Dundee FC everywhere. Yeah. And that just gives it it must that must create this environment for the players where they're like, I'm in a proper place here. I mean, you gotta remember when we were at Dens, the players just had their dressing room to stay in. So when they got their food, it was sitting in the dressing room. They were there again on a Saturday playing their march. We had to look for a local council park, so we'd go in mm. the minibuses, we'd drive around figure out which one's got the less dog shit and train there well, <laughs> so nowadays we've got our own pitches training facility swimming pool three games all two gyms unbelievable I have played for Dunfermline against Dundee and we played next to it's like an airport it's like a oh at Riverside do you know what I mean yeah I yeah. was fucking shite <laughs> I, you couldn't even see the lines on the park and I'm like what is this because one day you'd be playing at Barrafield or Murray Park yep yep or uh, Harriet Watt it was back then for Hearts and then you come I remember being like what is this at least Dundee United you played at that Astro across with Tanadis that's right got and then I fucking hated playing Dundee yeah yeah and just shite and I felt as if they were used to it no and it goes back to what I said at the start it's built building that structure and scaffolding and foundation yeah so we can really kick on you can buy any player in the world you want but if you haven't got the right facilities yeah they will eventually fail um, you need the right support around that team um, including training ground and you will make a success of it absolutely and this here at Gardine has opened us up to working away from a stadium which is fairly uncommon in Scottish football, um, very common down south. Mm. But also then knowing that when we eventually leave here, which will, which will happen, um, then when we go to our new facility, we know exactly what we need um, in terms of pitches, the, the building size, uh, that sort of thing. And it's, it's, it is trying to create that sporting centre of excellence, um, which mm. we want to do. And, God, and one of the key fundamentals of Dundee's success is going to be the inclusion of somebody like Laura Costello as well within the community team. Laura, you didn't think I would go all this way <laughs> and not mention you. Did you? <laughs> she's probably the whole time cursing me because she's not heard her name said yet. For those of you listening who are wondering who the hell that is, Laura is uh, somebody I know, known for quite a long time. And I was as I was walking through the, well, was that like the office? This and then she appeared yeah. in a Dundee track and I was like, whoa, what the fuck? I didn't know you were working here. Yeah. <laughs> Has she been here for a while? She's been here since October. Um, but again, it goes back to what Gordon and I Bringing good people. Yeah. I mean, we've got Dr. Derek McCormack. Former Celtic <coughs> doctor. Former Celtic doctor. Uh, he's, he's doctor. He's a very good doctor. It's also contact, so he's got... Um, we've got good people at the football club. Um, and we've also noticed that other pe- uh, individuals from other clubs now are looking at us going, oh, is there any jobs going? Yeah, I'd like to bother. Uh, <laughs> so. Oh, well, I'm, I'm up for being like... Who's your mascot? Do you uh, have a Snappy mascot? D. Stampy D. No, Snappy. Oh, Snappy D. Yeah, as in Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> I thought of that one as well. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, I'm willing to go there. I'm willing to do that. We want to do that, aye? Aye. That's mm. fine. <laughs> run about the pitch dancing and all that. In front of the Rangers fans. Do you know what? <laughs> We've got them in a couple of weeks. Have you? Right, come on, I'll, I'll stand in. I can't believe that mascot's gesture. I'm, like, I'm only joking. If Rangers, good luck to you. <laughs> um, Rangers have got three mascots have they aye they've okay. got so they've got uh, the bear proxy bear but yeah, he's yeah. got a wife and a kid wow I've only just recently learned this yeah but we're thinking of making Snappy D into like little Snappies and things like that oh aye we I was we've got Hoopy the Huddle Hound but there's also <laughs> a, there's a girl dog 
Is there? Aye. I, I always say. Well, we've who, got you on wedding stuff. I'll look on wedding stuff. Aye. I always say who paid the huddle hound would punch fuck it a broxy bear if it came out. So <laughs> 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 we sell like snappy D's and that and like cuddly toys in the shop. Ah, right. Okay. Uh, and it goes to all the camps and into schools and things like that. It's quite popular. Clever branding. Well, I keep an eye out, an eye out for Hoopy the Huddle Hound. And, uh, well, best. Thanks for having me. This is Not honestly, thank you again. It's been a great insight. I know it's been good fun. And uh, wishing you all the best for, for, the for next your two tie on Saturday <laughs> and then the very worst <laughs> for Wednesday. Although if there's ever a time to play Celtic, it is now. Yeah, you might take a good game. It will be a very good game. I know. No, well, all the best to Dundee. And I'm, I'm looking to seeing how things unfold over the next few seasons and that framework that you've put in. I know. And uh, when we go to the... The new development, need to come need to come down and see it. Oh, definitely. There you go. If you made it that far, if you made it this far into the episode and you've just heard that there's a new development coming, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> God, it's been brilliant, man. And uh, thanks again for no, having thank me. Thank you, mate. And as always, thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Blethered. M&D, 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 till I die If I didn't see my D's well, I'll surely cry If said like United, well, that would be a lie M&D, 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 till I die When I go and see the days of my was on a hair My hair is going nineties and I think I'm gonna flare Maybe it's just hair but we eat too much bears M.A.D. 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 till I die Am I proud D and I'm knowing for the less But one day the dark blues or when the pressure's pressed